Hello, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the July 25th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we'll look at number 1633 through 1642 of the Catechism. Mixed marriages and disparity of cult. 1633. In many countries the situation of a mixed marriage, a marriage between a Catholic and a baptised non-Catholic, often arises. It requires particular attention on the part of the couple and their pastors. A case of marriage with disparity of cult between a Catholic and unbaptized person requires an even greater circumspection. 1634. Difference of confession between the spouses does not constitute an insurmountable obstacle for marriage. When they succeed in placing the com- in common what they have received from their respective communities and learn from each other the way in which each lives in fidelity to Christ, but the difficulties of a mixed marriage must not be underestimated. They arise from the fact that the separation of Christians has not yet been overcome. The spouses risk experiencing the tragedy of Christian disunity even in the heart of their own home. Disparity of cult can further <coughs> excuse me can further aggravate these difficulties. Differences about faith and the very notion of marriage, but also different religious mentalities can become a source of tension in marriage, usually as regards the education of the children. The temptation to religious indifference can then arise. sixteen thirty five. According to the law enforced in the Latin Church, a mixed marriage needs for Licity, the express permission of ecclesiastical authority. In case of disparity of cult, an express dispensation from the impediment is required for the validity of the marriage. This permission or dispensation presupposes that both parties know and do not exclude the essential ends and properties of marriage, and furthermore that the Catholic party confirms the obligations which have been made known to the non-Catholic party, of preserving his or her own faith and ensuring the baptism and education of the children in the Catholic Church. 1636. Through ecumenical dialogue, Christian communities in many regions have been able to put into effect a common pastoral practice for mixed marriages. Its task is to help such couples live out their particular situation in the light of faith, overcome the tensions between the couple's obligations to each other and towards their ecclesial communities, and encourage the flowering of what is common to them in faith and respect for what separates them. 1637. In marriages with disparity of cult, the Catholic spouse has a particular task, for the unbelieving husband is consecrated through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is consecrated through her husband. It is is a great joy for the Christian spouse and the church if this consecration should lead to the free conversion of the other spouse to the Christian faith. Since sincere married love, the humble and patient practice of the family virtues, the perseverance in prayer can prepare the non-believing spouse to accept the grace of conversion. 4. The effects of the sacrament of matrimony. 1638. From a valid marriage arises a bond between the spouses, which by its very nature is perpetual and exclusive. Furthermore, in a Christian marriage, the spouses are strengthened and, as it were, consecrated for the duties and the dignity of their state by a special sacrament.
the marriage bond, 1639. The consent by which the spouses mutually give and receive from each other is sealed by God himself. From their covenant arises an institution confirmed by divine law, even in the eyes of society. The covenant between the spouses is integrated into God's covenant with man. Authentic married love is carried up, is caught up into divine love. 1640. Thus the marriage bond has been established by God himself in such a way that a marriage concluded and consummated between baptised persons can never be dissolved. This bond, which results from the free human act of the spouses and the consummation of their marriage, is a reality henceforth irrevocable and gives rise to a covenant guaranteed by God's fidelity. The Church does not have the power to contravene this disposition of divine wisdom. The Grace of the Sacrament of Matrimony, 1641. By reason of their state of life and of their order, Christian spouses have their own special gifts in the people of God. This grace proper to the sacrament of matrimony is intended to perfect the couple's love and to strengthen their indissoluble unity. By this grace, they help one another to attain holiness in their married life and in welcoming and educating their children. 1642. Christ is the source of this grace. Just as of old, God encountered his people with the covenant of love and fidelity, as so, so our Saviour, the spouse of the Church, now encounters Christian spouses through the sacrament of matrimony. Christ deals, dwells with them, gives them the sacrament to take up their crosses and follow him, to rise after they have fallen, to forgive one another, to bear one another's burdens, to be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ and to love one another with supernatural, tender and fruitful love. In the joys of their love and family life, he gives them here on earth a foretaste of the wedding feast of the Lamb. How can I express the happiness of a marriage joined by the church, strengthened by an offering, sealed by a blessing, announced by angels and ratified by the Father? How wonderful the bond between two believers! Now one in hope, one in desire, one in discipline, one in the same service. They are both children of the Father and servants of the same Master, undivided in spirit and flesh, truly two in one flesh. Where the flesh is one, one also is the Spirit. Okay, very good. So we continue. And uh, the first part we were looking at the um, the the issues that arise when you have... Um, uh, a mixed marriage or a disparity of cult. Again, a mixed marriage. Again, these are technical terms. A mixed marriage is a marriage between a Catholic and another Christian who has been baptised but is not Catholic. Uh, like a Protestant, like um, um, like a Protestant, like uh, an Orthodox, uh, Presbyterian, Evangelical, somebody like this. Uh, again, on a very technical level, again, there are certain groups that, that that don't have a valid baptism, so this wouldn't apply to, shall we say, the Jehovah's Witnesses or um, the um, the Mormons, uh, neither of whom are technically Christian. So it's between so, uh, be technically Christian, meaning that they haven't been baptized, they haven't received the sacrament of baptism, because they believe something very different about Jesus than um, what tradition, what uh, Christians usually 
uh, and universally believed uh, to be who Jesus is. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that. But so if you have uh, a mixed marriage or disparity of cult is when you have the marriage of a Catholic and a non-baptized person, which would be a Buddhist, a Jewish person, a Muslim, uh, a Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness, somebody who has no religion. And in these cases, the church says, think very well about what you're doing. Think very well. Yes, it is possible to enter into the sacrament of marriage with a non-Catholic Christian. But think about it. It is, again, the church will get, if, if somebody asks, the church will nearly always grant permission. But just think very well what you're doing. And uh, then obviously, uh, if somebody is marrying somebody who isn't even, isn't even Christian, um, again, double think what you're doing. Because this, yes, again, this gets a bit technical, uh, but this will be um, a valid union. It won't be a sinful union if it's done with the permission of the church, but it won't be a sacrament. A Catholic Muslim wedding is not a sacramental wedding. It's a marriage, yes, it's valid, it's eternal, it uh, meets all the requirements for marriage, but because one of the two parties hasn't been baptised, it's not a sacrament. Even if it takes place in a Catholic church, it's not a sacrament. So anyway, the first part of what we are reading is just saying, in these cases, be very careful beforehand. Much better to study things beforehand to be aware that the church says that this is potentially a very difficult situation. So think very well before you marry a non-Catholic or you marry a non-Christian. Again, it's not saying it's impossible. There can be very some very good marriages. Uh, but the problem is that either um, there's a big danger of indifference, it, 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 people having indifference, that uh, neither party goes to practices a religion and the children end up being reared without any religion um, or uh, that one party uh, practices their religion and the other party doesn't and uh, so it, it's something very complicated and very um, a very difficult thing to do so the church just says before somebody enters into this think very well talk about it between the spouses very well uh, don't think well he understands or she understands much better to speak about it, much better to, to have it out and to discuss everything and then uh, to see what exactly what this means before going ahead. Um, then the effects of the um, sacrament of matrimony is this, um, this, what the sacrament is, that there is a bond and there is a grace, that there is a special bond between the spouses and that this is something... Uh, Something again beautiful, something that is great, uh, but that this bond is is there that uh, they have been joined together in the sacrament. The sacrament joins two different people together into one through God. Again, getting back to this communion uh, aspect that I've spoken about so much, but that when you are married, uh, that God blends the two into one. He makes the two one. As scripture says, the two become one flesh, and this is through the grace of God. Then also the sacrament gives grace, that there is grace as proper to the sacrament of marriage. It's not easy to be married. Especially it's not easy to live 
as a Christian family in today's world, where everybody makes fun of the Christian values, where fidelity is made fun of, where having children is made fun of, where everything seems to be important except what is important. And so people need a special grace, a special help. And marriage has this special help. That Christ dwells within the couple, gives them strength to take up their crosses and to follow him. After they have fallen to forgive one another, to bear one another's burden, to be subject to each other out of reverence for Christ, and to love one another with a supernatural, that means above what is human, a supernatural, tender and fruitful love. This is what marriage is about. This is the vocation to marriage. It's not simply to to hang out with somebody that you like. It's not simply to, I don't know, set up house together and pretend to play happy families. It's something much deeper. And for this, we need this grace of God that, again, has to be nurtured, has to be availed of, has, uh, you know, it can be delicate, but is a, a very powerful gift. If we reject it, unfortunately, we lose it. But, uh... It's a gift that is within marriage, that is something that if we avail of, it is our saving, it's our salvation. It makes marriage something beautiful, even after a fall, even after serious problems. It's possible to reforge this marriage, to renew a marriage and to start again. And this is what the Lord gives. So we continue and tomorrow we look at 1643 through 1654. God bless.